Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm sitting here with a board member and a friend that I've known for, I don't know, four or five years now at least. How long have you been here, Joey? Been in Illinois. Four and a, a little over four and a half years, yeah. Okay. He's a bearded Iowan, and so we're going to get to know him a little bit today. I want you to get to know him a little bit today, and we'll talk pastoral ministry, talk life, talk hunting. It should be a fun conversation, but won't we pray? Okay, Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask that you lead the discussion. I thank you for a friend and a brother, and it's just awesome to be sitting in a room with Joey and, and just be able to shoot some arrows with him and talk about life and just thankful for his friendship and just pray for everybody that's listening in that they would be encouraged by just getting to know Joey and, and his family a little bit through this podcast and uh, Lord, for anybody that comes, I'm excited for them to get to know him a little bit if they come to the intensive or the, the camp out in the future and uh, just thank you for all you're doing in his life and we just ask that you lead this conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alright, so for, for everybody that uh, if, if they've not been to the intensive, you're the resident cook at the intensive, yeah. so they know you. Uh, the, the group of 17 that went, I think, are forever bonded through the crazy experience oh, of, yeah. of the high raging river this year. 2020, was, was, uh, that, was a good, that was a good year for the intensive. <laughs> it, was, it was such a good year. Uh, well, why don't you go ahead and give us, bring us up to speed. Tell us about yourself a little yeah. bit, your family, and then what you do. And then tell us, family, tell us about yourself, family, what you do, and then how you got here from Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm, I'm Joey Hawkins. I, I grew up up in Iowa most of my life, born in Texas, but was raised really in Iowa. I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, that explains why I'm so much bigger than all my family members. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, grew up in Iowa then and uh, um, lived and, and ministered there for a while. I uh, kind of experienced the call to ministry uh, in high school, and I can talk about that a little bit later, but Ended up going to, I, I'm from a non-instrumental Church of Christ background, went to Harding University for a couple years. Um, we had transferred membership to an independent Christian church during my high school years and kind of saw myself ministering more in those churches. Uh, so after two years there, I transferred to Ozark Christian College um, and ended up ultimate, uh, ultimately graduating. Took way too long, but with just a, a general... Way too long? Five years? Yeah, five and a half. Okay. Uh, but a Bachelor of Christian Ministry uh, degree from them and... Uh, Ended up then going back to Iowa uh, right afterwards and starting at a at a church camp as a camp manager at the the church camp I'd grown up as. I did an associate ministry and uh, wanted to pursue camp ministry again. And uh, those those jobs, I guess you could say, those ministry opportunities within Christian churches are few and far between. Mm-hmm. And so we had to move out of state, and I ended up accepting a job um, at uh, Southern Illinois Christian Service Camp over in West Frankfort. And that's how I ended up in Southern Illinois back at uh, uh, 2016. We moved right at the first of the year. And I, we must have met you, right? Because we knew Andrew and Katie. Yes, yeah. And then somehow got connected with you at the camp or met you up there. Correct, and then... yeah. Because I, I think I even met you before, the first time I met you before that summer. So. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we uh, um, really loved the camp, uh, enjoyed it. It was, uh, But at the same time, shortly after I came down here, felt probably more of the call to go into, uh, into preaching ministry. And after three years... Because camp life is difficult, too, because you, yeah. you can't really get connected to a local church. It was. There's, there's struggles with that. There's a little bit of struggles with pace of life. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit 
I, I, I've tried to maintain more balance with that. But even my last year being a camp manager, I think I was, I was thinking about it the other day. I think I got seriously dehydrated three times and like significantly dehydrated three other times. So a total of six times. But I mean, three of those was like lying on my floor. I was out for the next day, mm. um, you know, just pedal to the metal and, um, and through, you know, just, just kind of the opportunities. And, and one of the benefits of being in camp ministry is you do, your benefits and, and cost is I connect broadly across churches, but right. I, and so I kind of knew uh, what churches were looking, and, and ultimately through a friendship I had at uh, First Christian Church of Ann, I was uh, was kind of called to ministry there, and I've been now for I'll be two years in in December that okay. I've been at First Christian Church of Ann as senior minister. So um, you talk about the call to to ministry. Uh, oh, but I, I'll mention as well. Uh, when I was in Iowa, I got uh, married. My, my wife, uh, Michelle, and I, we met on eHarmony. So, no way. Uh, yeah. I didn't even know that. Uh, yeah, we met on eHarmony. That's awesome. Uh, so one of these days, Neil Clark Warren, he's going he's gonna to call me to be in a commercial. But, uh, <laughs> but no, we, we met there, and, and we were living about an hour and 15 minutes away. Put a lot of miles on the car that mm-hmm. year. But we, we met in February, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to think of this now. February 2012, and we were married in November 2012. I mean, Man, we're, we're so both a little awesome. later in life, and it was kind of like, we're getting to mid twenties. We're not. We're not yeah. gonna mess around. So, so we got married, and uh, and then when I was ministering in Ames, I had our first child, uh, Josie, and then um, shortly after we moved to Southern Illinois, found out we were expecting my my second, my middle child, Maisie, um, and then uh, right. <laughs> Right when we moved to start the ministry at Anna, it was like we, we bought a house, we moved, we had like Christmas, New Year's, and then two weeks later we had a baby, and it was just everything was all bundled up into one. It's a lot. And that's my third child, uh, Bryn, my uh, my son. So, uh, so yeah, so that was just kind of a little bit of, of uh, my wife and our kids. But when we talk about the call to ministry, the, the church I was involved with and the, and the youth group we were involved with, we went to Christ and Youth Conferences. Again, they're... Christian Church Youth Conferences they have nationwide, and uh, at the time the main one we went to was actually at Southern Illinois University's campus here in Carbondale. No way. So another thing you probably didn't know about me the the moment that I experienced that then was actually and it's now the Banterra um, the Banterra the Center the arena. Yeah. And uh, wow. the other day I was up there and it was just kind of this uh, it's just such a neat moment to just kind of be sitting here and be ministering now in the area that I really experienced. Um, you know, that call to ministry. And, and the, for me, the, the particular subject they were talking about that night, and they had this just sort of drawing uh, Peter's betrayal out, that Peter, you know, had, had uh, turned from Christ, and this idea that, that you know, are you turning and renouncing, uh, you know, what God is calling you to turn towards him mm-hmm. rather than away, and, and contrasting that a little bit with Judas. Yeah. But that was like the moment for me that's like I had... I had had many people that had been encouraging me, including my father, and just that year had just been like, like you're gifted in this area. Some people that I trusted, and and then just random voices mm-hmm. uh, were just calling that. And I had always resisted that. I wanted to be some version of a mountain man off the grid, like <laughs> if I had to be employed, park ranger. You know, I was thinking those kind of things. Right. And um, and so for me, it was sort of this renouncing, you know, what I had desired. Uh, in order to follow yeah. Christ and follow him more fully with that call that was on my life. And so that initial was just a total release of these plans and ideas that I had. Mm-hmm. And of course, God in his grace um, has combined so many elements of, of yeah. my personality to be able to minister through that. And so, um, so you look like a mountain man. 
You yeah, look, so you look like it, you yeah. could be off the grid yeah. and survive very well. So, so <laughs> when did the when did the accent? So, if you guys don't know, you got to go to Bless My Buckskins on Instagram. It's just at Bless My Buckskins, mm-hmm. and you'll find Joey's work. But so, how did that start? When did you start making axes and it's actually again, it's it's. I had a, a kid that I that I mentored and discipled for years, and when I was up in Iowa, my like the final couple months before I moved down here, he's like, "Hey, I need an axe." Um, and he was he was coming up in the area. He was down in Kentucky at the time, and so I, I put one together for him over Christmas and gave it to him. I was like, "This is a lot of fun." And so right as I moved down there, so you just figured out how to do it. I started getting interested in them. I you know I, I always liked antique stores and going to them. So then I just started seeing you know where axes were, and now it's a lot harder to find them in antique stores. But but I got a couple early on that ended up being really interesting axes and it just sort of piqued my interest found some facebook groups and it just sort of exploded from there and now it's one of those things where especially getting and trading with guys you know from europe and from different places to get a variety of different axe heads and then those you can't just go down to ace hardware and buy a handle for you got to make your own and so mm-hmm. that that has really sparked that interest and so yeah it's a little bit of a little bit of a side hustle i guess to a degree but it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things that it's it's a joy and it and it is a lot of fun to connect with people yeah uh, through that interest as well yeah that's cool so. that's really cool so the intensive this year everybody who came got uh bless my buckskins hatchet and so i got one i use regularly now we had a hatchet incident a couple of years ago it wasn't with one of yours but you know with ransom he threw a hatchet into his foot and Fortunately, after six stitches later, you know, six stitches later, he's just got a little bit of a scar. He's fine, but oh, yeah. Yeah. so uh, uh, so we got to be careful with hatchets around our house. But uh, okay, very cool. So now you've been at your church that you're serving now for how many years? So about two years. Yeah, up not on two quite years. two years. A little, I mean, a little over a year and a half. So still, okay. I, as far as you know, in a pastoral ministry role, you know, I've been in been in a variety of ministry roles, but this is really my first time, kind of kind of coming into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and being in this role, um, and, uh, really it's, I mean, I'm enjoying it. It definitely comes with a sense of, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot that comes with that, but yeah, right. just about a year and a half. So I'm cool. still, I still feel like a, a young pup. Okay. Well, let's, before we talk about that, let's talk hunting a little bit. You're, mm-hmm. you've been bear hunting before you're going to back to Pennsylvania possibly this year. Yeah. If not this year, like definitely, definitely next year is one of those, I, I'm trying to make it every, uh, three to four years. I've got a good friend uh, from college that lives in Western Pennsylvania, runs a gun store out there. So it's, and a farm now. Mm-hmm. So great opportunity, but yep. Um, so I've asked several guys that I've interviewed what, that, that hunt, what, what was your first whitetail that you ever killed? So why don't you just tell us a story about your Maybe. first whitetail as far back as you can remember. Tell us about it. Now I gotta dramatize it too. You know, like make it make it a really good story. Boy, it's it's <laughs> you know, there's. I'm now I'm trying to think. What, what was the first year I killed him? How can I forget Ugh. that? Um, I, if you can't remember the first one, then what's the most memorable? Well, hunt that um, you've had. Yeah. <laughs> well, I try to remember my my first one, and it's and part of the difficult thing with with me remembering. So I was homeschooled growing up, and. Probably starting eighth grade or seventh grade, then I, I would hunt during the falls. And after that first summer or first fall, I, I made a deal with my parents. It's like, hey, I'll catch up on my schoolwork and I'll figure out ways to do that. And basically October, November, December, and half of January, I was in the woods hunting, trapping. <laughs> I mean, awesome. it was awesome. And Iowa, I mean, there's big buck. I mean, it's oh, like yeah. big buck central in Iowa. So, I mean, I, I there were so many. It's like when bow season came, October through November, like I was in the stand every day. Like, That's awesome. And and I didn't shoot anything my first three years. But really? I was so like, I was so, I, I mean, I remember shooting, I shot, a, I shot a squirrel and I shot a possum and then I missed deer and it was always like, what in the world? 
Um, but I, I did this, the Stanhouse thing, it was the neighbor's property. They had about 13 acres. It was up on this ridge. And uh, I, had, I had missed a couple other deer. And so I was already kind of just, you just kind of get discouraged with that. And I had a, a, a doe come through. And I shot, and I heard the arrow, you know, hit something. I thought, ah, I missed again. And I got down out of the stand and, uh, and of course, go to grab the arrow, and there's blood all over it. And it was like, wait uh-huh. a second. Um, this, is, this is new. Haven't done this. And so, of course, at that point, I'm, you know, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm on my own at this point. I think I was probably 15 at the time, uh, maybe 16 when I when I shot this deer. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then I end up... Uh, trailing it about 50 yards away it expired it was i mean it was just a just a small medium-sized doe and i shot i shot two or three then before two or three does before the end of high school and then my uh came back over thanksgiving break my freshman year of college and shot a little six point that actually i shot i I shot and got a gut shot on and there was a little spring that ran through a real cold water spring uh, clear cold water and i I shot him and i trailed him you know that's it gut shot him i'm never going to find him Next day, I walk out to my stand, and I'm not kidding you. Where I crossed that spring, he was laying in the water. Really? And the nice thing was, basically, he was refrigerated overnight. So well, that's good. For the tenderloins. I mean, I didn't, I didn't lose anything. So, yeah. Um, so I ended up finding, uh, uh, finding that buck. But yeah, lots of I, it's, it's even when you ask that, so many of those stories uh, blend together now. Right. With the different hunts, uh, I've, I've always been a meat hunter more than a, a trophy hunter. So, mm-hmm. and uh, enjoyed part of where that blessed my buckskin name comes from is I tan deer hides as well. So it's always sort of the hide what I could use from the animal as well. So that's pretty cool. It, the, all my stories are now collecting because just, you know, I just, you know, that I just started Mm -hmm. hunting last year and it, man, it gets in you and I love it and can't wait to get out there. October the 1st, I've got my stand set up. I'm ready to go. Um, so I'm getting two tags this year Mm -hmm. and I'm wanting to get one with a bow, one with a gun. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. I think I might, because last year, what I found out is I don't really like just the ground up, even when it, when you mix with pork. I'm going to do a yeah. lot more sausage, yep. and I think I'm going to have them make some bratwurst. I'm actually going to take it good. down to, uh, down in Anna, actually, yeah, east of Anna. C. I, I think Triple C. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's, it's going to go. I'm picking my beef up from Triple C. I'm oh, getting good. beef. I got a quarter of cattle, a quarter of a cow. It's like 480 bucks mm-hmm. for a quarter, and that, that will fill my freezer. So it's a way to do it. And then between that and two deer, we'll be set. Oh yeah, I'll have a bunch to give away too. I think. Yeah, and that's that that comes with as well. Yeah, I, I I've got a lot of tags coming this year. So for well, how many tags? Season, how many tags? I've got four at least already. I'm and that's for your freezer, more. primarily for your yeah, freezer, right? Prim- primarily for freezer, but there's you know you end up like, like you mentioned, you end up giving some of that away, right? And so there's there's several people you know that. Uh, that you know, you end up uh, helping with the meat as well. It's a, you go grocery shopping for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, well let's talk. Uh, let's talk pastoral ministry, and then we'll switch to Shepherd's Crook. And want to ask just some questions, just for me personally. Like, what's your hopes with the Shepherd's Crook moving forward with the yeah. intensive? Because you've got to see everything from the ground floor from the beginning, and uh, it's neat that we've got multi-denominational uh, impact even within Absolutely. the within the within the board and I'm wanting that to grow. I've got a Presbyterian friend. So mainly, so we got three Baptist and a Christian church guy. Yeah. And then I've got a Presbyterian guy in Evansville, Mason, mm-hmm. who came oh, to yeah, the intensive. Mason, yeah. And I'm hoping that eventually we'll be able to continue to, to grow out and branch and, and do some more interdenominational stuff. And there's a, a neat thing that you, you can be, you can be ecumenical without being watered down, yeah, and that's exactly. one of the things that I've I've found encouraging about the ministry so far. But tell us about 
pastoral ministry in 2020, what did you guys do? Just just say what you guys did for this year and the difficulties that you faced and how you've gone through those difficulties pastorally. Yeah, that's... Uh... I, I mean, obviously, you know, 2020 is now almost a, a byword um, uh, amongst people, and I, I, I try to fight that for my own personal life because, actually, in a lot of ways, when I when I look at the blessings of this year, like I've been, it's just been an awesome year for me personally. It has for us too, by the way. And, it's been, and, it's been and a great year. Yeah, and even to say <laughs> that, just then, you know, there's the, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which praise God. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's that sense in which you know you say that, and there's you, you almost get that feeling of guilt, but yeah, it, it is what it is. You praise God for the blessing. So, I mean, we, we ended up, you know, shutting down services for, I think, I think it was about a month by the time it was said up. Maybe now it was a little bit more. It almost ended up being six, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. And we reopened with kind of a drive-in service in our, in our parking lot, which was actually, I mean, it was a really encouraging time as well. We were, we were just able to be back together and, and mm-hmm. be connected in that way. And we've actually continued that, moved that forward to like an 830 service that we have. And then we then started an in-person service. I think it was Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of reviewing that right now and making it, we, we, we've tried to have the idea of like, there's a variety of different options. Uh, you know, our church has a variety of makeup of people within the right. congregation. Um, and, and there's some people with some pretty significant health challenges. And pr- pretty good sized church. So you yeah, a broad about 150, yeah. you know, this of course, pre pre COVID, you mm-hmm. know, we had normal attendance. And so, you know, we're trying to to remain connected in that way, and so we're 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 actually going to to do more of like a um, an intergenerational family type service, moving that to eight thirty, and then still having the options that we have for people to remain connected at ten thirty. The the approach we've had is just kind of like we are, you know, obviously as Christians, you know, called to gather together and to be uh, to be in regular fellowship and in regular worship and re- regularly hearing the word um, mm-hmm. and, and scripture. And so we're going to keep doing that no matter what. And I think in this process, I've probably have steeled more of my resolve to be committed to that. Yeah. Um, that sense of actual gathering and actually being Sunday morning, not a pre-recorded thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I did not like that at all. And, yeah. uh, and so we, we've moved, we've moved, you know, to that direction and at the same time, it's, it's, it's this, this sense of, you know, us being able to reach people and, and, and seeing how we can continue to minister and even just running like a little, the little radio transmitter where the shortwave, you know, mm-hmm. had some impact. You were able to get one. Was it from China? Did you have to get it from China? I'm pretty sure it was, but I'm uh-huh. not a hundred percent sure on that. It's actually someone in the church that bought one. I looked at it back in March and they were all sold out. Yeah. That was hard April. to find them. Every- and it, well, they're sold out to the end of April. And in my mind, I was like, ah, it's the end of April. We're going to be back together. Oh yeah. Point. And you're right. like, I don't know if you have those where you kind of look back on uh-huh. the things you were thinking then and laugh at yourself. Yeah. But it's just two weeks. Yeah, it's just, just two, two weeks, weeks and everything will be back to normal. Yeah, we're going to flatten the curve. <laughs> we're going to flatten the curve. And so, so anyways, we had someone order one and then, and then, uh, that that isn't working well for us, but you know we we have all these tools of technology. Obviously, that's a double edged sword that mm-hmm. comes with that. Um, at the same time, you know while while we can and, and while we're able, we can we can definitely use that as ways to um, to continue uh, to spread the gospel, continue to to minister to the flock, mm-hmm. and um, thankfully it's you know like I said, there, our church has had this you know sort of flexible approach to what we're doing and and a. Um, and a, and a leadership that's willing to just kind of adapt this on the fly. So yeah, that's good. Really good. That's really good. And Christian Church is really strong with being an elder-led church. And right. so you stepped into an elder-led church. And there's a lot of guys that get to a church, especially in the Baptist world, 
they don't have those existing biblical structures in yes. place. It takes a long time. So you already you already had that in place, and so yeah. to have people there that have been decision makers and right. have been shepherding people, uh, that's a, that's a good thing that you're not having to make all these decisions by yourself. Exactly, trying to figure it out. On, yes, on. and that's been and and you know I can struggle a little bit with that within my own personality to where that can be my thing where I'll I'll try to take that on mm-hmm. and have other godly men that are willing to come alongside. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and you. You get that men, the mentality. You know this in ministry as well. Sometimes you just want to get stuff done and do it yourself. Yeah. And yet the the way that uh, that God teaches humility through that, and um, it's been really good. And so I don't. I not. That's not to say that again. Any of our elders would be like, yeah, this has been a great year, a fun year for leadership. It's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. It's not fun in that sense. But there has been joy through this time, and there's good. been there have been blessings that have come through that. So good. That's cool. Um, we've kind of approach things a little bit similar to you guys and we're we're trying to leave the decisions in the hands of the people as much as we can yes. and we haven't done two services um we we've stayed with one mm-hmm. and most of our people have been pretty united on how they've approached this thing yeah. and we've had a few people that have stayed away mm-hmm. and we've just encouraged people to come when they're ready uh, it's it's been hard for me to maintain a, uh, personally, in how I approach COVID and everything else, for that, frankly, for that matter, it's been been hard for me to um, to verbalize honoring differing positions because yes. most of our people are thinking kind of one way, and we got a lot of freedom fighters that are just you know, hey, don't put a mask on me, kind of people. Yeah. And so the hard thing for me is to be just be just as honoring of those who are maskers, for instance, yes. as I am those who are not maskers, and creating an environment where people don't feel, if they want to put a mask on, they don't feel condemned for doing it. Yeah. And and so we're plugging along. Things seem to be going pretty well. And in Illinois, it's been uh, pretty crazy if you're in Chicago. Yeah. But down here, even in Carbondale, there's been flexibility. We've not, the health of department hasn't been, you know, knocking on our door or anything yeah. like that. Well, and that's, and you know, like uh, talking with my, my dad is an elder at, at my home church in, in Iowa and they've, they've very much been, they started meeting Mother's Day and have very much, you know, come back together. And when I was visiting in Iowa, you know, I, I went and worshiped mask free with a full congregation, you know, mm-hmm. gasp. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've talked with him about that idea that again, like, can't you just, he's like, can't you just have people, you know, just, just wear a mask or not wear a mask. And it's like, well, dad, I think Illinoisans have suffered a little bit more psychological damage in this whole process. <laughs> right. Like it's right. been, I mean, we've kind of been jerked around one way or the other and it's, it's just getting frustrating at the same time. Like you said, it's that, it's that mentality of, of graciousness. And, and one of the church members I had who, um, is, is more like me, more like, you know, wanting to be out and, and, you know, don't put a mask on me and everything. And, yeah. and the first day we were meeting back together, he, he put a mask on and stood at the door. Um, and I, it, it was, it was a good example to me that, that again, for him, he's like, well, I don't want the first face they see to be something, you know, if someone is anxious about yeah. it, I just want to be welcoming them right. in that way. And again, that was that, that, you know, demonstrated to me an attitude of, of humility that, yeah. that is that is good with this. And even today I was thinking about it, and it's like, you know what, I'm just, here I'm thinking about it, but the thought I had is, I, I just don't even want to give that much mental space to this anymore. Wear it, mm-hmm. I mean, don't wear it. I, like, I, I just wear it because so many places, it's like I'm going to go in and minister, I'm going to be a presence there, and I don't want to think about it. Yeah, and I'm fighting a little bit of allergy stuff today, so when you have that, and like all of a sudden your nose is leaking all over your mask, then that's a whole other, <laughs> like, grody right. element to right. the whole thing. But. Yeah. 
Okay, well, let's switch gears. You've been with the Shepherd's Crook from the beginning and mm-hmm. seen kind of how things have, have grown. It's not like the ministry has exploded, but we percentage-wise went up pretty massively from the first intensive to the next. Yes. So yeah. talk about the intensive and why you, you've enjoyed it and what you kind of hope going forward with, uh, you know, people coming and, and now we've got to plan a little bit of, of a base camp for the intensive yeah. and, and rather than bringing everything up the river, but, but we, we learned a lot this year, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, we did. So it, it oh, kind of explained some things that, that guys could be thinking through why they would want to come to the intensive, Absolutely. why they'd want to be a part of the ministry. What, what do you, what, what are your thoughts? You, you know, there's, you already talked a little bit about the, the ecumenical sense. I think one of the strength, um, the strengths of this ministry and what, what we're going to see going forward with, we probably, and I'll, I'll save guys in pastoral ministry in our generation, is a little bit of the, the not abandoning the doctrines of our of our different um, our different brotherhoods and, and and streams of of theology, but also recognizing that it's like, hey, we're we're in we're in a, a time a difficult time, mm-hmm. and and you need that sense of camaraderie with other faithful brothers in Christ. Right. Um, and even my first year, you know, we're, uh, oh, why am I drawing away? Riley. Yeah. Riley was talking about being reformed, and I, and I, you know, I took umbrage of that and made it, you know, I, well, I'm not necessarily reformed. And he looks at me and he's like, why well, are you Catholic? And I, I laugh at that because <laughs> I remember that. And I'm like, he's like, no, you're with us. In that sense, it's like, no, we're, you know, he's like, you're very much considering brothers in Christ, even with the with some of the, the doctrinal and, and theological differences. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's that, that broader sense that you need that. And, and what I do love about, um, and what I do love especially about this year that that's that's it's it's just that'll be a loss to a degree. It's like when you find yourself in these circumstances where you're weighing over your head. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, we, we were doing some preparations, probably not to the degree we needed to to get on the river. But when you yeah. suddenly get on the river and like the first thing is I'm sitting there is like is uh, <laughs> uh, was it Brandon and uh, and and Brady and, and Brady spill yeah. underneath the right. the uh, the culvert and the bread comes floating by us for lunch. <laughs> well, there's like, oh no, there's our lunch, and I'm like, what have we got ourselves into? And yeah, so, so for, just, for those who don't don't know, we went floating on the river. This year's intensive. The rain had come the days oh. before, and the river was closed the day before, oh. and then barely opened by I think inches. Yeah, the day inches, we went, yeah. and we all thought, oh, it's no big deal because last year. Where we floated, it was no risk. No, I mean, there was yeah. it was just completely fine. And we, like seven of our seventeen guys that went, could have died. I oh mean, man, it was, it was just it was crazy. And so, <laughs> but I mean that that sense like that that definitely builds. Uh, I mean, each one of those guys that was there, there's this this bond that you have of yeah. of the experience that you have together. And you know, one of the other times when I, I think it was Mason's canoe capsized and they had all like they had some food as well and, and all the apples were coming down i'm standing in the middle of the stream bobbing for apples with like a grocery <laughs> bag they had just like filling full i mean i'm just laughing to myself but i'm looking at you and andy that had like yeah. capsized and almost killed yourself and i'm just like what are we into lord right and uh and so not saying we would like it's it's not like you want to you don't want to duplicate that experience to a degree but at the same time to have something where we can participate and have that sense of Yes, risk where you are, where you're taking uh, taking these challenges together, and kind of learning how to adapt uh, within yeah. that. It it made me speed up re- reading my. I was reading through the wilderness outbound, uh, outbound, outward bound. Pardon me, guide to wilderness uh, first mm-hmm. aid. So I'm like, I want to, I want to know how to do that and yeah. be better equipped for these that's situations. Good. On the fly so. surgery, if we have to. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> if well, we have to. and one of the things that's neat. I don't know if you remember, but like the first year. That we went so two years ago. There's just yep. four of us. It was me, you, Riley, and 
Who else went? Um, oh, oh, and Brandon. Brandon. Yeah. Brandon. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so it was us four, and one of the conversations we had on the river was about holiness mm-hmm. and about sanctification, and we actually saw things very similar. And in one of the things about the Christian church, there's all these caricatures built up in Southern Illinois because the Christian church is in the Midwest and oh, yeah. uh, a lot in the Midwest. Yes. It's other places as well. And in the Baptist yeah. world, there's there's things back and forth that we think about each other. And yeah. then when you begin to talk about actual texts or certain doctrines, mm-hmm. you realize, you know, I we're pretty we're we're a lot closer than we realize. Now there's some things we would see pretty pretty differently yeah, on some absolutely. things probably, but it, man, I've loved getting to know you and your commitment to the word and your love for the people of God and you know it's just th- those kinds of things are really good. And when yeah. you get on a river and, and hang out with a group of pastors that you think would see things completely different, and you realize, man, we've got our all got our Bibles cracked open. We're singing songs together. We love Jesus and. Yeah. It's awesome. And I think for me, ecumenicism is a code word for watering down everything and just having no unity whatsoever. But I think the unique thing we've got going on is a strong ecumenicism here that rallies around the word of God. Correct. You know, that, that is not wanting to compromise. And that's, and and that's, and, and I I had a mentor of mine tell me when I, when I was actually, uh, promoting the camp at a church that was a very contentious church, even with our own, our own brotherhood and, and had several issues doctrinally with what had been done at the camp. And, and I, I was complaining to him about all oh, these sticks in the mud and yell, blah, blah, blah. And he, he, he said, Joey, he said, one of the, he said, one of the things I'll always do is have a disagreement with someone on the word of God and consider them a brother in Christ. Cause I think I'd said, made some comment like, ah, these guys aren't even Christians kind of a thing, you know, mm-hmm. young, right. young impetuous stuff. And, um, and that's really drawn me in that, like, if, if we, if we disagree on the word, we disagree on the, on maybe an interpretation of the word of God, but it's the word of God. Right. I mean, it's the, it's, it's, it's God's word. It's, it's his son, Jesus Christ that, that we're all following. So, mm-hmm. you know, and one thing with, with the intensive as well, that highlight, I, I like that the campground we've ended up at and, and the venue we're at is going to allow us, I think in some ways to expand this. And so if you're, if you're a little bit nervous about, about camping on the rocks or whatever, like there, there's probably going to be some better opportunities this yeah. next year to kind of be expanded. In you can glamp. Of like, yeah, yeah. You can probably glamp a little bit if you want to. And yeah. like, and, and again, for me, like cooking, I'm not bringing like, I'm not Spartan cooking here. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing the chuck wagon. Like we're going to, we're going to have food and it's going to be good. And so, so there's that. If, if you're a little bit daunted by this this idea that you know you're you're not going to be able to participate or you're not manly enough or whatever, I mean just just cut that out. Come in and mm-hmm. and it'll be a lot of fun. So. Yeah, you'll be more manly on the other end of this thing. If exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it is. It's fun, man. I, I was really pleased, even though things went crazy this year with uh, the near death experiences. Overall, it was a really good group of guys, and I think thirteen of the seventeen were in pastoral ministry or had been in pastoral ministry. And if you're, you know, a guy that's just interested in pastoral ministry mm-hmm. and you're you're don't even ever think you're going to be a pastor, but you think you want to be the kind of man that could be just a, you know, a, a faithful member of a church, but you're interested in pastoral ministry, maybe it is that God's calling you to be an elder at a church and you just don't realize that yet. Come, you know, come and, and be a part of it and explore that a little bit. We had some guys that uh, we're there just because we invited him to come. And pastor camp is going to be like that as well. So pastor, if you're listening in, 
bring some guys from your church that just want to come camping. And I think that there's going to be things that are applicable to them. We'll probably do one session at the at pastor camp. Mainly it's just going to be a hangout. It's free. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about doing uh, pastor's arsonist uh, theme. Yeah, that's that I, from Wilson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of thing, but we'll see. Uh, but anyways, so I was in interviews by just talking about why we love Jesus. And, you know, you're a man that loves Jesus and knows that Jesus loves you, which is always more important. Um, but why is it that you have a love for Christ and you want to serve him and help people follow him as follow you as you're following Christ? Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, and to be honest with you, I, I knew you were going to ask this question. Obviously I listened to the podcast and I still even struggled with how, how much do I prepare for this? So, you know, when you talk about, about the love of Christ and, and the, and the desire to follow him, it's one of those things that like, it's, it's drawn me in, um, just consistently throughout my life. And Jesus is more interesting to me today than he was certainly as a young man. Certainly when I made the decision, you know, for faith and, and was baptized at 11, I, I, I've just grown in that. I've been preaching through the gospel of Mark and, and Jesus is so fascinating. Mm. I mean, just, just, just incredibly fascinating. And I think he's fascinating both as obviously the son of God and the one who, who offers us salvation and the way to God and eternal life. But then as a, as a, a man, mm. uh, just incredible. Um, and the, and the people that, that he brought around him as 12, you know, the 12, uh, it's, it's one of those things that I, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And I see within that all the, even, even within my own heart and within my own masculinity, the sense of like belonging, of mentorship, of, of, of the relationships you have that make you a better man. I don't see anything else in the world coming close mm. to the way we see Christ and his disciples and then ultimately now discipleship going forward. So when you talk about it, it's, it's, it's a sense of just like, this is how you live life mm. like this is and how you live it to the, to the fullest. Yeah. And I mean, I've still in my own faith struggled, um, with depression. I I've struggled and, and I know that September's a, a month with suicide awareness. And, and I know that's something you you've talked about mm-hmm. certainly within pastoral ministry, that, that struggle and, and the difficulty I've been there. I still continue obviously to be there in, in certain ways. Um, and yet at the same time, God has brought, uh, out of some of those, especially this year, just this sense of fullness and, and mm-hmm. wholeness and, um, completion in my life that, that again, I just, I can't picture it anywhere else. Yeah. I, I, where, where is it? Mm-hmm. Where, where on Facebook can you point to the person or to the thing or to the ideology or philosophy or, or anything that is like what it is to follow Jesus Christ? And I just want more people to know that and be a part of that. Amen. That's good. Well, thanks so much. You guys can yeah. follow, follow Joey at bless my buckskins on Instagram and find out the stuff that that's going on there and come to the intensive or pastor camp and you'll get to meet him, but he may miss pastor camp. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. I, Maybe I'm bear hunting. To be there, though. I'm hoping to be there. Yeah. So. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.